The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. My name is Dave Parton. I get to be the pastor here at Neighborhood Church, and um, this, I think, is our fifth service. So if you're new here, we're all new here, so welcome to the a newness. We are a church plant. Uh, we started back in March. Just some of us in the neighborhood started studying the Bible, and after a while, we decided, um, let's see if Pawnee will let us do a service together. So this is where we're at since since December. As we begin today, the, uh, our discussion and our our um, our study in this season is going to be on the Book of Colossians, and we're going to be talking about being rooted in God's Word and rooted. And in, in the love of God. And as I was doing some prep uh, this week, I started just looking up roots. I'm not a, a root specialist. I didn't study rootology or whatever root people do. And uh, so I did some research, and I started finding out there are um, some world records for things. Um, and before I get to roots, I, I learned that recently, um, this could be something that you guys might want to try to get uh, on the news or something for, but a man in Asia stuck the most metal spoons to his body in a minute. I mean, you're talking about being famous for something. That's, I mean, I think all of us have potential for that one. I mean, you might need some help with that, but um, you can look that up. It's, it's amazing. It's a lot of spoons. So as I continue to look, I found out that there's a, a tree owns a world record. I mean, a tree doesn't even care, Right? But a tree owns a world record. Go to the next picture for me. It's this tree right here. And I'm going to say what they call it on the internet. Um, Bosia albatruca. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Look how famous it is, right? And what this tree is famous for is its roots. It, it's its roots. And I'm just going to tell you, when I, when, I, when, I, when I read this, I was like, there's no way possible. The root system of this tree is the deepest root system in the world. The longest root found, which I don't even know how they did that, but they found a root that went down 220 feet. Like, that's, that's like two-thirds of a football field, I think, if I'm asked right. Like, that's, that's deep. I mean, that's like a guy going, you know, trying to dig, like trying to get a pipe in, and he sees a root, and he just gets like this attitude. You guys ever done that with roots and bushes? You just kind of like, oh, I'm getting this sucker. You're right. I mean, he just, he got a backhoe, probably, I hope, and went down 220 feet, and I just began to learn, like, a lot about trees as I began to kind of learn about root systems, and, and I started to wonder, like, well, how many trees are there? Like, if trees wanted to take over the world, could they beat us humans up, you know? Could it work? We have fire. It helps. But could we win in a battle? There are three trillion trees, they're estimating, and I have no idea how those scientists at Harvard did that, but... They counted them somehow, and they're, they're estimating three trillion trees, but they say plus or minus a couple trillion. So that's just where we're at. So there's lots of roots, but the, but the deepest root comes from this tree, and you're not going to believe what the name of this tree is. It's called the shepherd's tree. And there's a great shepherd on this, on this earth 2,000 year, years ago who came and walked among people, and took care of his sheep, and became the sheep, became the lamb. He was the shepherd and the lamb. 
And what he told his sheep over and over again, have deep roots. So to go to the next picture, this is an artist's rendition of a tree with really deep roots. And that's not even close to, uh, to 220 feet, you know, if you guys are spatially aware of that. But this is what we're shooting for. When it comes to our knowledge of God and our love for others, this is what it's going to take. Deep roots. And I picture most trees in our, in our neighborhoods are only about three feet deep, just so you know. So if you're getting scared about this, they're only about three feet deep. And some of you may have saw pictures of trees that have fallen over in the Midwest last weekend. Did you guys see some of those photos where so much ice was on a tree and it pulled it over and you see the, the root system kind of stick up? I tell you, a tree with that kind of root system, ain't no ice storm going to knock that sucker over. But in this world, and as we study through Colossians, we're going to learn the importance of having deep, deep roots. Roots play a, uh, a lot of key roles in plant life, as I was learning. One is uh, bringing air and nutrients into the tree so it can have life. So digging deep so the tree has life. Do you guys see why we're going to be shooting for being rooted in God's word and in God's love? Another major purpose is the structure. Ice storms will not be able to destroy trees that have root systems like that. Today, as we dig deep, we're going to be looking into Colossians, and Paul is going to repeatedly express the church's need for strength and growth and their knowledge and their wisdom of God. Jen Wilkin, a Bible teacher, she, she said, the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. I'm going to say that again. The heart can't love what the mind doesn't know. So as we study the Word and we talk about reading the Bible and we talk about studying the Bible together and reading the Bible together, our desire is that the mind would grow so that the heart will have more to love. There's a couple things I want to share about knowledge as we kind of begin studying, going deeper and deeper into the Word, about study and knowledge. That just because the mind knows something, it does not automatically mean that the heart will love it. Now, love needs that knowledge, but just because you know a ton about something doesn't mean you love it. For example, some of you guys think of your jobs. You might be really skilled at doing what you do, but is your heart in love with it? Maybe. <laughs> I see some shaking of heads, right? So maybe, and maybe there's been seasons that you loved it, but there's something about God and the vastness and the, the, uh, the ability to understand and climb that mountain as we talked the first week more and more that grows our love for God. There is a vast amount of knowledge to learn. Also, we learn this from the demons and Satan as we read in James and other parts of the Bible that Satan knows a lot about God. Do the demons love God? No. Knowledge doesn't automatically create a love, but it's, it's an essential piece. And that's what I want to point out this morning. When Jesus was doing his earthly ministry, he interacted with the smartest religious leaders of the day. In general, did most of them love Jesus? What did they want to do to Jesus? They wanted him dead. 
It was the religious leaders that helped lead the death of the very one they spent their lives studying. So knowledge does not automatically equal love, but it is essential for love. Secondly, knowledge can have a negative side. In the Proverbs and multiple parts through the Scriptures, we read how knowledge can breed pride. And maybe sometimes, you know, when these things are get brought up, you think of somebody you know who thinks they know everything, and it kind of drives you a little crazy. And right now, you could be sitting next to a spouse. You're like, oh, yeah, I know somebody who knows everything, you know. Or sometimes we just need me looking at ourselves, right? But there is this potential where learning things and becoming very proficient or being very knowledgeable at things can breed pride. So the very thing that we're trying to become, like a humble servant that Jesus is, can turn on us and our flesh and our sin to begin to control us. Another way this can play out, I haven't seen this. I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. But like in our Bible studies, in our neighborhood groups, our discipleship groups, sometimes... um, I'll just say, in the past, you may have been in some groups where there may have been somebody there who has studied a lot, right? And, and, and that was good because they bring some insight into the group. But sometimes, have you felt a little bit like, man, I don't even want to talk now because this guy seems like he knows everything and he's going to answer all the questions or she's going she's gonna to look at me funny if I say the wrong thing. Have you guys experienced that sometimes? So my heart is in neighborhood groups in our discipleship groups, as you grow more knowledge, that you have a spirit of humility. And the way we talk about what we're learning is in a way that includes other people in learning. It doesn't begin to say, hey, look, guys, I've been reading my Bible for the past three weeks. Look how smart I am, right? Because the best thing you could do is read one of these big seminary books, and you'll instantly just go back to the bottom of the barrel where I live. Like, uh, I don't know anything, right? But there's sometimes what happens is that pride, and that's what Satan wants to use as he as he's a lion trying to destroy the good things in this world, is trying to des- destroy us even while we're trying to grow our knowledge of God. You guys see where we're going here? So we want to grow in knowledge because it's essential, but we also need to just be aware that it can breed pride, and we need to fight that. Next slide. As we look into our, um, kind of our, like who our church is, with these, these first, this first season of sermons, what we wanted to do is kind of share about kind of where we came from and where we're going and why these words keep showing up. So on the front of your bulletin, you'll see this sentence, loving God and our neighbors together. Now, Rivers read part of the Great, uh, the great Commission uh, about you know, Jesus saying, you know, I'll be with you until uh, the end of the age. Beautiful, beautiful statement. Another famous part that Jesus is often quoted is when Jesus sums up the Old Testament. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and your strengths. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourselves. This sums up the law. So we, we kind of took that and said, hey, what a good reason or what a good sentence to use as a theme for a local church. But secondly, as we're neighborhood church, these two things are extremely important to us, that we love God and that we love our neighbor. But then also you'll see on the back of your bulletin are these phrases out here on these signs, be, bless, and belong. And if you were here in December, we spent three weeks talking about why we use the word be. Why is our identity important? Bless, why do we choose to serve other people? 
Why do we go out? And why do we uh, have inclusive community? So that's just a little picture I want to show you guys. Go to the next slide. So it starts with our heart that's been changed by the loving God, so we love him back. That's super important for us as a church, super important for us as a people of God, that it's because of who God is and his work for us, the shepherd who came to serve the sheep and then become a sheep and then die for the sheep as the Lamb of God, this is the kind of heart that he has now given to his people. He's saying, Christians, my new children, you have a new heart. This new heart gives you a new identity, a child of God. So we seek to be a satisfied child of God. That's what that heart means, our identity, right? This is a satisfied child, a loving, loving God. Next slide. Out of this, we want to bless our neighbors. We want to bless people. We want to give to people. We want to pass on the serving and the story and the hope that Jesus Christ brings to other people. And that's why it's in our neighbors. We want to go out and do that. But thirdly, next slide, we want people to feel like they can belong. And just like I shared earlier about neighborhood groups and kind of the posture we want to have, we want people, when they come into this gym, when they come into our kitchen tables, when we meet at McDonald's, you know, it's like there's, these, there's a way to talk to people that brings them in. And one thing uh, Eric and I have been talking about here recently is I think sometimes we expect people who aren't interested in God to be missionaries. And I say that because what they try to do is, is we're way over there. They have to kind of swim through a whole bunch of culture, right, and a whole bunch of mess, right, cross a culture of, and, like, come to our stuff, right? You know, that's what missionaries do. Missionaries go into a culture to talk about Jesus. So as a church, let's not expect people who don't have a heart for God to care about that. But if we can live a life that invites people to our kitchen tables, to our restaurants, if we can, if we can go and bless people where we live, work, and play, then maybe they will see in some negative walls about who Jesus is will be broken down, and they can step into a kind of relationship with people who are following this great shepherd with this great root system. That's, that's uh, relying on God. Okay, let's get into Colossians. Go to the next slide. Colossians 1, chapter, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. This, if you don't have a Bible, we have black Bibles that we'll put out each week. Um, it's on page 983. Uh, they will also be up here on the screen, but I know for sometimes it's easier to kind of look and, and slides will change, but if you want to kind of follow what's going on in there, I encourage you to to use, use the Bible there. And also, um, these Bibles are, are just gifts. Like, we're basically borrowing them from future people that will come and take them. Okay, so these Bibles are for you to take. If you have somebody you would like to give a Bible to, this is a free gift. These Bibles that we have today were actually given to us to give away. So we actually shouldn't even have them. So please feel free to take them, but feel free to use them while you're here. And if you have plenty of Bibles, um, let somebody else take one. Okay. Um, that's on page 983, Colossians 1, 3 through 14, what's for, what we're going to read. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world 
It is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. So as we study um, the Bible, uh, there's different ways that we can do this. One is we can just take a paragraph, take a few sentences, and kind of dig deep into that. We can do chunks. We're actually going to use the ESV chunks that um, the, the people who organize the ESV, they've kind of put it in different sections. We're going to use those from week to week. So if you're always curious what we're going to study the next week, you can just read the next chunk. So this, uh, this, these verses between 3 and 14 uh, today, I want to kind of take it as a whole. Okay, and kind of see what is Paul trying to say here as a whole. And we'll do different things as we go through Colossians. But my hope for you is that you'll get to see a, a, a broad way to read the scriptures. You'll also get to see a very close and kind of magnifying glass way to see the scriptures. So um, go to the next slide for me. I color-coded it. How about that? All right, so red is going to be kind of the... Uh, bless and belong verses, and blue is going to be more of the uh, B verses, okay? And I, I took, I took uh, lots of openness in doing this. You know, this is, this, is, this is in general, so if you want to come back to me and say this word should be blue or this word should be red, I'm happy to talk to you about that. But, um, but for what we want to say today is we're talking about loving God, our knowledge of God, right? Sometimes I'll talk about the vertical, Right, our identity in God, and loving others together. Okay? So I'm using this, these verses 3 through 14 to kind of show throughout the scriptures, you're going to see this pattern of the writers of the New Testament and of the Old talk about this importance of having a relationship with God and out of an overflow of that, caring about other people. So just to begin with, this idea of, of prayer, you know, Paul's thinking God. He's talking about his prayer life. Yes, of course, his identity in his prayer life with God. But what he's doing is he's, he's talking to God about people. And one thing for all of us, we can hopefully be encouraged this morning, like that's something we can do more often. We can thank God for the brothers and sisters in our lives. That's a blessing. That's caring about other people, right? But then what does, he, what does he thank them? What does he thank God for? And what is he thinking about? Since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. He's thanking God. He's praying for other people because of their love for God. They have faith in Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. He thinks, he thinks people for their love for Jesus and their love for other people. Do you guys see how this rhythm is going to be happening? Loving God and our neighbors together. This is Paul, Colossians. God, I thank you for the Colossians who love you and love their neighbors together. That's his prayer. And we can almost summarize this whole section through, those two, through that one verse. 
Thank you for your faith in Jesus, your belief in Jesus, your reliance on the shepherd who became a sheep to die for the sheep. Verse 5, because of the hope you up, hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed the whole world. Hope. River started us off today. Hope. What is hope? Future joy. Where is that future joy at? It's in eternity. It's in a God who lives in eternity, who lives over eternity, has the power over eternity. When life and ice storms physically and spiritually happen in your life, like there's a root. That root's going deep. And what it's, what it's experiencing is a hope that goes beyond what I'm experiencing right now. Deep. Romans 10, 13 through 17, one of my favorite passages. Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's saying, hey, guys, people aren't going to know about Jesus unless you go and tell them. How are they going to hear? Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So Paul is saying that word, that truth has come to them. And he's praising God for what's happened in the past. It's the gospel. It's the good news. And not only is it going to the area of Turkey right now, that region, it's all going to the whole world. In church, we need to continue to thank God that the gospel is here, but also it's going somewhere because all people are created in the image of God. The second half of verse 6, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you. So because of the people, fruit's happening. What happens when a tree has really good deep roots? What happens at the top? Good fruit pops out. If it's a fruit tree, right? Or a gumball tree or whatever you guys have in your yards, right? So my, my, my heart would be is that we would continuously see this kind of like deep root knowledge of God and understanding of the gospel and the word of truth that's come to us. And you guys, if you're in the room and you're new to Christianity and you're new to the church, truth is coming to you right now through God's word. Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ lives now. He's with us till the end of the age because he loves us. And then the second half, or second part of six, since the day you heard it and understood in the grace of truth. Let's go to the next slide. It's kind of boring, Eric. Can you make that cooler looking? Perfect, right? So there's this idea of, of reading the Bible, and I'm not going to highlight your Bible for you, but this is one way you can read it. Like kind of, you can go through one of Paul's letters and go, hey, is this about my own personal faith growth, or is this about me to help other people? And it won't always be read in red and blue and as perfect as this is because once again I took some openness to describe this. Uh, just as you've learned it from Epaphras, our beloved servant, verse 7. Alright, so uh, a couple weeks ago I talked about what's the situation going on in Colossae. So it's a city about 100, 100 miles from Ephesus. Paul went there, started a church. This guy Epaphras was probably there, heard about the gospel and said, I'm going to take this to my city. And he goes to his city. So Epaphras is from there. But what's happening in the city as the church begins to grow, there's a teaching. We're not exactly sure where that teaching comes from. It comes come from a sect, come from the pre-Gnostic people, or it could be from just a, 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 like a, a, um, 
uh, like a shaman or some sort of wizard or some sort of, I guess, like kind of putting a bunch of things together that thinks spirituality, um, Jesus plus a bunch of stuff is, is more true. But Epaphras, right, he, he says, I need some help here. There's chaos going amongst my church. We don't, we're not really sure what the knowledge of God is right now. We're getting lots of messages that are messed up. So Epaphras goes to Paul, and Paul knows this information. That's why he's writing a letter back to his church to say, hey, guys, seek the gospel. Seek the knowledge of God. And as we study through Colossians, that's what we're going to keep hearing. So that's who this character is. And he learned it. Like this idea of learning, this information, Epaphras is passing on. Uh, continue on with seven. He is a faithful minister of Christ. So Epaphras is like a missionary. He's a servant. He's a, a shepherd to his own people. Minister of Christ on your behalf. And has made known to us, so Epaphras is telling Paul, your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you. So Epaphras goes to Paul, gives him a report, and says, hey, my people are really loving. Like, they're just like, it's a good place to be. They're like loving God and their neighbors together, but the loving God part, they're not quite sure um, what or who Jesus is or what Jesus is asking or who God is. So he's like, there's this continuous encouragement, asking that you may filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So you may see that first, that first slide we looked at was like, hey, I thank you that I've heard this about you. Now we're getting into Paul praying you know what, this is what I want your future to be. And we can do that in our prayers. We can do that in our conversations. One, begin with thanking people for what they've done for you. What's going on in the past? But let's not stop there. How can we speak into each other's life in the future? And Paul doesn't even change his message. He says that you be filled with the knowledge. That's what he said just a few verses before. The very thing that I was thanking God for in the past that, that would continue. And that's our, harp, our hope for friends and neighbors and our community here that's forming, is that in all spiritual wisdom, this idea of the kind of wisdom that comes from God and his word, that we would have an understanding of who God is, what he has done, what he will do, and an understanding of who we are, what we have done, and what we can be. Verse 10, So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. Once again, another summary, these two lines back to back, that your knowledge of God would lead to what? What would it lead to? Fruit. Deep root, knowledge of God, seek, seek the truth of God. Let's go deep with God, guys. Let's think. Let's understand. Let's go deep. And out of that, we bear fruit. This, I, this word walk in the original language so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, what that word walk means, it's like everyday life. We don't really have a word for that. But what your everyday life is like would be worthy of the Lord. Not on Sundays or when the in-laws come over or whatever. You know, it's like that your everyday life would be worthy of the Lord, Right? Pleasing God, the heart part, that you would bear fruit in good works. Why? Why does it say that in verse 10? Why? So increase in the knowledge of God. Do you guys see this? It's like deep roots, love people. What's next? I don't know. Deep roots, love people. Let's do that together as a community. 
verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. How can we do this? His glorious might. God. We don't just become smarter. We don't just become more strategists for loving people. We don't just figure out how to be really social and make people laugh and people start liking us. What happens is God will give you strength with his power according to what he wants. And there's this endurance when the ice storm comes. And there's patience. Some of you guys might be in a patience season right now, kind of waiting. And then what's the hard part? With joy. That's why we say we want to be satisfied children. Now, why is all this possible? Next slide. I think it's the end of this section. This is why it is possible. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. So we can love God, have deep roots, this vertical piece, and we can have fruit in our lives, love others, because, verse 13, he has delivered us. Verse 12, he has qualified us. And this morning, you may not understand how that works. And I'm not saying I fully understand how this works, but this is what, I, this is what I've received from reading the scriptures, is that the gospel is good news. The good news is God, who knew man was distant, said, I will come and redeem this relationship between man and God. Because of the sin of man and the perfection of God, there's a gap. And what Jesus says, I will bring God and man together. And what did he do? He came as a man, as a baby. We just celebrated Christmas just a few weeks ago. He did not come as a mighty king. He came as a carpenter's son and lived among people. And at 30, he started a ministry. And the Gospels talk about his story. And he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. Because he was God, he could do that. And then man, rejecting Jesus, killed him. But it was all part of a plan. Because in the system that the Jews were in, a lamb had to be killed to pay for the sins. This physical example God had set up years before, they were killing lambs to remind them that they have sin. Sin has to be punished. And God said, hey, here's a lamb. Keep reminding yourself that your sin needs to be punished. In obedience, they would kill this lamb. And Jesus came as the shepherd, leading people around, teaching people about the ways of God and his wonderful kingdom. And then Jesus says, it's time for me to be a lamb. And Jesus Christ accepted death from his very creation, suffering, but also experiencing the wrath of God. All the wrath of God for all of our sin and all of humanity waited on him. As he hung on a tree, the lamb died and paid the penalty for your sin and for mine. And three days later, Jesus Christ showed that he was God and conquered death 
by rising from the grave on his power. That's the gospel. And what I'm offering today, what Paul is offering today, is that you would have a knowledge of that information, but that you would love that you've been rescued and that you would accept this love that God has for you, the very love that he decided to come as a man, show us how to live, and then pay the penalty for our sin. Verse 14 uses the word redemption. He paid the debt. Our sins are forgiven. And as we move into a time of communion, um, you can put that last slide up there. Oh, is there a picture? Yeah. Um, my heart would be is that you would see this idea of living a life that loves God and loves your neighbors, and we do it together. That you would see these words that be, bless, and belong help us talk about it. Help us communicate it to one another. And that you would see that God has a plan for you. And that this morning is offering this relationship of a perfect, of a perfect start over that because of Jesus' righteousness, you can't lose because you always will be seen by the perfection of Jesus on your life. And all of your sin has been on the cross.